What's gonna happen next on Krakoa? Oh, snap. We got some new stuff and some closing up stuff. It's it's like a it's like an interim ending one chapter starting a next. Getting ready for it. Welcome to the Ex-Wife podcast. I'm Alicia and I'm Justin. And today we're talking some news. A lot of news. And Hellions, number 18, the farewell issue of Hellions, and the... uh, And I also have like a bunch of other stuff. Oh, but also the Infinity. Oh, yeah. Infinity comic that kind of ties into some of the other stuff that I got. Oh, interesting. So that's the the Juggernaut and Deadpool and Paradise Lost, the first of the new Infinity comic. Cool, cool, cool. And I have a little bit of a update on Devil's Reign. Ooh, a little Devil's Reign update. Potentially even a little update on Voices Comunidades. Oh, I, re- I read it all last night. Yeah, I went to bed. We are we are rocking the sleepy Sunday morning recording sesh. This is the, we got our boosters yesterday and we're here, but we're a little subdued. I could be sleeping right now. <laughs> I could be sleeping right now. But, but you we know. wanted to record an episode, so yeah. here we are. Yeah. All right, so we're talking news first. We always talk news first. I feel like that that's I just... know, but I just wasn't sure because there's so much news. Yeah, well, it's news and then reviews, right? Oh, snap. It's like he plans these things, folks. Yeah, he does. So we mentioned it not last episode because last episode was Inferno. Yes. But the episode before last week's episode, we mentioned these Destiny of X character promos. Yes. Because at that point, we had had three of them. We had Hope. Wolverine and Magneto. No, no. Hope, Wolverine, and Storm. Oh, right. Magneto was in the second bunch. Right. Mister Sinister, Magneto, and Destiny were in the second bunch. Mm-hmm. And that was, I, I was wondering how many times can Marvel do it because I'm, I'm in. I'm here. They can do it as many as times, many times, as, times they as they want. want. They know we're here for it always. Right. And so these show us the possibilities of where things could be going for the future of mutant kind, right? These a alternate... choose your destiny, if you will. Right, right. And so if you haven't read Inferno or listened to our Inferno episode, some things might come up that are relative to the news revealed in that. So just be aware. And, and also, like, Inferno came out. You should read Inferno. Read Inferno. There's some time travel business in Inferno. Yeah. And so is that <laughs> where we lead... Into I know I know ten lives x x deaths lives and deaths Wolverine that one that one <laughs> that's that's time travel that has yeah. an element of time travel that's at least been as part of the teases part of the conversation and is that what happens or what causes this branching of other potentialities maybe kind of wraps up everything that starts in Inferno and ushers us in to the next wave of comics because that is what. Benjamin Percy has said in interviews that he kind of takes everything that we learn in Inferno and filter it through this story of Wolverine, this 10-issue story of Wolverine once a week. Which there's so much to filter. Right. Sweet mama. And then mixes it all up and gives us something else to play with. Did you have a favorite of the character promos? Mm, I think the Magneto one because it's so interesting to see that third panel of him with his helmet on the ground and he's just walking away from it yeah that was the one that left me with the most questioning which also ties into the larger destiny of x 
other promos. Other promo image. I also, I, I feel like you're going to say this one too, but I also thought that one of Destiny herself, where it was like basically the same image of her, just different backgrounds was kind of interesting. Right, so she holds that constant, regardless of what other destinies are chosen. What about you? I think it was, I think it was Magneto as well. I know. Uh, well, actually, first of all, it's Storm, because Storm. not only Storm, but the art is beautiful. Yeah. Torin Clark, who was not tagged in it, but... We did have some people shout us out that that is who the artist was on those three panels. It just gave us a tease of what's to come for Storm on that third panel. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, Storm, I just am very much looking forward to seeing something that Storm gets more centralized story points or a a title that she's in charge of or something just because I feel like we've gotten a handful of like big storm moments or like storm standout issues Mm -hmm. but not a consistent storm story and i feel like it it has been teased that big things are on the horizon for storm and yes becoming the regent of soul right that's a big that's a big thing if you don't talk about it right we we need that to be carried out to be developed to have that affect her and the world which i think could bring us into segue us into the next promo that they shared, oh. the Destiny of X, that yes. reveals the nine titles that will be in that line. Hit me with those nine titles. Immortal X-Men. Oof. Marauders. Yes. X-Force. Cool. Knights of X. Interesting. X-Men. Yeah, obviously. Legion of X. Also interesting. Wolverine. Okay, yeah, another Wolverine story. New Mutants. Yay. X-Men Red. Dope. And so with the promo text of these titles announced, we have an understanding of, so our four new titles, Immortal X-Men, Knights of X, Legion of X, and X-Men Red. Brand new. Brandy, brandy new. We know a little bit about Immortal X-Men because of the promo image that was released and the details with that. It is a The Quiet Council focusing book. Yeah, but the council is different. It is a little shifted, right, with our Reign of X developments, but also the fact that everybody can't stop mentioning Magneto's not there. Right, there's only 11 people. There's only 11 of them. There's supposed to be 12. Magneto's not there. And, and his helmet's on the table. And three Iraqi are there. Yeah. As well as a gate to seeing Mars from this like yeah, random vantage point. You can't of, get to Mars from there. You can just see it. Right. You can see <laughs> it. Maybe that's on a sword station, even though there's no sword. <laughs> I do want to point out there's no Sabretooth listed here. Which is interesting because Sabretooth is supposed to be coming out. Right. So Sabretooth is coming out, but Sabretooth is a mini. And oh. maybe that is to indicate that these are the ongoings versus the minis that might come otherwise. Yeah, maybe. So Sabretooth is, I believe, supposed to be a five-issue miniseries and the first of three miniseries telling one larger story. I know you're excited that Marauders is on that list. There was a lot of question, concern. I am so excited. I am I am not only excited, but I, also the cover arts that have been coming out mm-hmm. in the last couple of days. Right, so we've seen our team. the team and... Captain Kate at the lead. So, okay, I would like to, if you if you don't mind, just quickly take a tangent to talk about that team for a second because there was a couple people that I didn't know. Sure. So, Captain Kate. Captain Kate. Bishop, Lockheed on the shoulder. Lockheed, Bishop. Psylocke, Tempo. Yep. Dokken, Akiro. Okay. From X Factor. Yep. 
Aurora. That's who that is. Okay. Yep. Purple flying in the back and yep. Somnus. And that's who I'm like, who is that? He was introduced in the Marvel Voices Pride issue. Okay. Back in June. And he has something to do with time. I can't remember exactly what his power is. Something to do with time. I should probably have Hopefully a different thing to do with time than tempo. Yes, I believe so, which is interesting. So we have two characters that are relative to time, two characters who have a love interest with Doc and Akiro, two characters who are captains, Mm. and a council member. This is a pretty stacked team. It's a stacked team. team. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very exciting. So Somnus and Doc have a backstory. Oh. And that was revealed in that issue of I'll have to go back voices. and reread it. I don't think you ever read it, so you'll have to. I'll have to go back and read it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was one of them that I did read, the Marvel Voices. Yeah, you read the Native American, the oh, Heritage. Heritage one. The first one from last year. Mm. So that is getting, Marauders is getting a brand new number one. Start over. Refresh. Refresh. Not a start over. And it's centering back to the original concept of Marauders to begin with. Saving the mutants who cannot get. Right. So we're just on the boat. This is not the Hellfire Trading Company book anymore. I will miss Pyro and Iceman, though. I will as well. And I would hope that they've got something cooking for them because with that tease in Marauders last week of Iceman trying to figure out some stuff. Yeah. I feel like he's got to be involved in whatever book that is talking about Arako, which a lot of people, myself included, are assuming that it's X-Men Red, the Red Planet. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the previous X-Men Red, Taylor's version. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, I love that, but also upset by it. Because, anyway, I'm not going to get into it. Tom Taylor, who was the writer of X-Men Red, the first iteration, has signed an exclusive contract with DC as of this week. So... He's not coming back to the mutants, at least not for a very long time. Exclusive. Yes. Now, the only other question marks, I mean, Legion of X is very much so. Definitely about Legion. Yeah, definitely about Legion. (laughs) Definitely the thing that's coming out of Onslaught Revelations. Talking about the spark and that little place in which he's built inside his his head. Cathedral in his brain. Yeah. With Blindfold and Juggernaut who are on the big promo teaser. Hmm. A lot of people calling With out all on, the peeps. A lot of people calling out that Rogue and Polaris are not on this cover. That is concerning. Like where'd they go? Neither is Sunfire. Oh, interesting. I wonder if Rogue, Polaris, Sunfire, and uh, the Shi'ar Lady Deathbird. Oh, maybe happen yeah. to hmm. be those four in that particular panel in Inferno that we were speaking about. Maybe I'm not sure. But potentially, that could be interesting. I was thinking more that... I'm like, the, where is it? Give me the issue. I want to go back and look at the image right now. I was thinking more that those three are the team that gets sent out to investigate what's going on in space. Yeah, you which means they been, could team up with Lady Deathbird in space. Right, so it might connect. I don't think it's specifically that image that you're referencing from Inferno. No, nah, because those look like dudes. Right, so I don't think that it's that connection, but could lead into that connection. Okay, I was just diving into that image again. This is not another Inferno episode, Alicia, so just chill out. Last thing we can talk about, Immortal X-Men. So that was that big... Oh my goodness, gravy. Karen Gillan at the helm, the tease of it being the new Avengers to Avengers. So it's almost as though we're getting a second X-Men title, but now focused on a different subset. 
We obsessed over this on Power of X-Men's Instagram Live. Oh my goodness. A couple days ago, so it you check amazing. that out. It was amazing. You should totally check it out. We went bonkers crazy looking at every little thing. A couple of things I do want to highlight. The yes. words that the are words. scribbled into the tree bark. Like people, this is this is who we are. This is why I married Justin, okay? He found the words in the tree bark. I love it. Tell us what they are, babe. Aurora, Exodus. Seeker. Enigma and Seeker. Oh, yeah. So you can find those in the bark all around. A couple other things that we did point out. That phoenix on the chair. Phoenix on the chair. The conversation of like... Okay, that's Magneto's helmet on the table, Marvel Girl mask on the floor, Cyclops visor on the floor, but also Cyclops' glasses on the table, and then Justin with the, oh, Mystique is holding somebody's eyeballs. And they look as though they could be Scott Summers' eyes. Yes. And then... Bill the lobster on the table. Bill the lobster on the table. Death is, is telling the time. The time's running out for somebody or something. Exodus has got... A fiery halo. So it's interesting because in that issue of Inferno, the thing that they do call out is the fact that the mutants have life and death on their side. So who would represent life? The phoenix. Ah. Rebirth, the giving of life, the cycle of death and rebirth. Yes. I also just want to talk about how amazing Storm looks. Because she's amazing. She does. This is her... Gallo look, not the newly revealed look from Russell Dodderman mm-hmm. that was in the poster from Lionel Francis Hugh. There's just a lot of things to get excited about. Are there any titles that you are most excited about, Alicia? Mm, like new titles. Knights of X feels otherworldian. Yeah, I think Avalonian. It, I'm interested in, in Knights of X to see if it where it picks up with um, where Excalibur is leaving off. But I also kind of, and this, don't come at me, but I kind of don't care about the Captain Britain Corps. And if it's about them, I'm not going to be that excited about it. Well, it feels like they're getting demolished in Excalibur. And yeah, that's do... good. Because I don't want <laughs> to talk good. about them anymore. I believe that we are getting Excalibur next week. But also, I don't know. I think Immortal X-Men is the one that I'm most excited about of the four new. Because it was... Legion, Immortal, Knights, and... Red. Red. Oh. And Red's but. just a big question mark at this point. You know, we're, we're putting in that idea that it could be Arako, it could be yeah, well, a team. Yeah, well, Mars, Red Planet, sure, like right. hopefully the clues it has are something there, to do with that. We're hoping for it. I mean, Immortal has... Everyone's technically Immortal, but I guess yeah. the council members are prioritized in their immortality. I feel like Immortal X-Men is an overarching story. It's like the anchor point of Krakoa. You know, it's the thing that ties in because Destiny of X is this is the era, right? So right. we had House of X, Powers of Ten. Then we had Reign Dawn of, of X. Dawn of X, Reign of X. Now we have Destiny of X. So I feel like Immortal X-Men is going to be the anchoring title that has its own storyline, but will occasionally relate to the other storylines. Kind of feed the larger narrative. Yeah. Almost replacing what was the X-Men title previously. So Hickman's X-Men. Right, uh, not the current X-Men title. Right. Anything Um, else you want to say about that image? I mean, we went on for like 45 minutes with Power of X-Men. So please, please go check out that live. It's on their wall or their feed or whatever you call it in 2021. Legion just fell down. He just jumped off the shelf. (laughs) He's upset. 
But anything else you'd like to say? Any any other news? Should we move on to some other news? Uh, we did get... that. That's all the news. It's just all those teasers, all those things. So many things. We did get some preview pages for the Devil's Reign X-Men issue, the first one. Oh, you sound excited about that. Well, it's just the idea of how Devil's Reign is going to tie into the X-Men operating in New York. Well, do you want to save that for after you give me a little sure, Devil's Reign sure, recap so sure. that I can get excited about it? Yeah. So let's talk about that juggernaut. Oh, the juggernaut and Deadpool. So I do want to preface this. This is coming out of a five-issue series, Juggernaut miniseries, written by Fabian Nicieza. Oh, interesting. Which everybody just thought that was five issues and done. It kind of happened in tangent to Krakoa books. Mm -hmm. There were some light connections. This is where Professor Xavier told Kane that he was not welcome oh, on right. Krakoa. not welcome on Krakoa. Tells the story of Kane Marco working for damage control and meeting and working with D-Cell, who has mutant abilities that we find out later on. She initially was rejecting the idea that she was a mutant, but she has some, the abilities to affect the momentum. So kind of a counterbalance to Kane. Oh, interesting. It also, is that where this little team that he's working with was formed? The Unstoppables yes. is basically the last page and panel of issue five of that miniseries. All I can think of when I when I first read that was Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable. Yeah. And I just have to say it. Yeah. You know? And apparently apparently they're freelancing for Xavier to now go get a mutant. Yeah. Well, they, they're they going to get paid. Well. That's freelance. You get paid for yeah, freelance. Yeah, but it's not like they're just open to freelance. They're, they're, it seems like he was a little, only if you pay me well, I'm going to do this thing for you. Xavier's loaded. He can do it. But also, it's rude that he's not allowed on Krakoa. Right. Like, I'm not going to allow you on Krakoa, but I'm going to have you do my bidding. Right. Especially because there are a handful of people that are not mutants that have access to Krakoa. Right. You have Brian Braddock that yep. is able to come in and out. Come and go as he pleases. Not really as he pleases. I think he does have to have some connection. Assistance. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy that was a coworker of Forge. Kyle. Yep, Kyle lives there, Kakoan by association. But Xavier is not married to Kane, and they also don't have a great relationship. Yeah, I guess that's true. So and maybe he's just like, hey, I don't want this connection. I don't want this closeness of our stepbrothers. Yeah. But also, it could just be seeding what could then happen later on, because mm -hmm. Juggernaut is in that poster image, and he was in the teaser at the end of Onslaught Revelation. This is true. This is true. So it looks like he's getting there. So we got a girl. Her name is Rubbermaid. We're unsure if it's Rubbermaid or Rubbermaid. <laughs> and thanks to Deadpool. Thank you, Deadpool. She just really wanted to go to a salsa concert. Yes. And so she went. And she's been captured. And she's been apprehended. Yes. And so we get our little start into it, but a flashback to Xavier hiring Juggernaut to do this mission to go and save Rubbermaid because Andrea. the the U.S. does not have the right to, to imprison a mutant. Right. They have amnesty. And so these people have imprisoned her because they're trying to experiment on people with superpowers. Classic. Classic humans. They hate mutants and they hate superpowers because they don't have them. I got to tell you, I can't recall the name and I'm sure you'll tell me. The one who looks like... Texas Twister? No, no. Oh. The one who looks like White Gumby. Primus? Yeah. I love him. I'm here for Primus. 
the, like, sorry, officers, like, we're just, I'm just doing my job here. I'm going to wrap you up in this. It's going to dissolve in an hour. Don't worry about it. And the way that he's like holding on to Texas Twister and he's like, you're making this really difficult for me. Yeah. And so Primus and Quicksand are introduced in that miniseries. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're introduced. I think Primus actually was a previous character, but they have connection to Arnim Zola. Oh. Who was involved in the experimentation on mutants. Interesting. So are they mutants? Yes. I believe Quicksand is. Primus, I don't believe he is. I believe he's a, I don't want to say robot, but similar to a robot. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But there's this giant fight, Texas Twister, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Hysterical. Here for it. Yeah. Giant fight with him as they're trying to break into this security vault, this prison to rescue Rubbermaid. But while that's all happening, Deadpool sneaks in. Just makes his way in. He does it himself. And then, to be continued. To be continued. It was written by Fabian Nicieza, art by Matthew Horrock, letters by Joe Sabino. Next is Not My Mama's Pancakes, or something like that. (laughs) I just remember seeing- Not the pancakes Grandma made. That's the one. (laughs) So that'll be out on Monday. Oh, man. Good stuff, good stuff. I do want to mention quickly, so Comunidades came out this week. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is in similar line of the voices tradition where they have people of that culture of that group come in and create four characters of that culture and group. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of Latin and Latinx characters and creators, three that I saw and pulled out were mutant relative, two of them adding in some interesting potential information. Uh, There were a couple other short stories that I did really enjoy. And it overall, is a really enjoyable issue. But the three that I want to call out, Shark Girl, which I think you've seen. Maybe. She's a giant shark. Seems accurate. <laughs> Scaring people on the beach, just trying to get some food for a potluck that is authentic to where she's from. So <laughs> She just needs some ocean food. That was, yeah, that was just a one-page fun little thing. Risk, who is a sword agent, oh, on a mission to inspect a moon to see if it would be able or fit to be terraformed. Oh. Which I feel like is a lot of potential information of, so she's in communication with Brand as she's scouting out this moon. Interesting. eventually be terraformed, right? We thought it was one and done. No. Nah. We never thought that. We Dominion, never thought you need, that. You need a bunch of them. Oh my goodness, gravy. And then the last one that I want to call out, Sunspot. Oh, Sunspot. Returning to his home, revisiting where Juliana had died. And where he had kind of first experienced his his, mutant powers. That was from the original The Mutants. Right, right. Look at me go. Her family is attacked by the OG Reavers, Cole and Reese. Damn. Those who actually killed Juliana. And they're going after her brother, who is now a mutant. Oh. Sunspot stops them and gives them a Krakoan gateway so that Juliana's brother can visit him. Okay, not the Reavers. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Here you go, guys. Once you go to Krakoa, you can find a bunch of mutants there. Which I thought was really interesting. I don't think any of the previous voices added things like that. Like a first appearance of a potential character. Mm. Well, Somnus. That's, right. I guess, counterpoint. And just the development of that as a thread. Is that an X-Men red plot? Where They're going and terraforming a bunch of other planets and into moons it. and things. Let's do it. I'm hoping that X-Men red is Al Ewing. And he's, it's basically Sword 2.0. That's what you want. That's what I want. That's what you want. What do you want? <laughs> I don't know what I want. Oh, we're going to talk about Devil's Reign now. Yes. Devil's Reign number one came out this week. So this is a Marvel-wide event with some spinoff series that will 
be relative to us later on. So right. in a couple of weeks, we will have the start of a three-issue X-Men event tied into the Devil's Reign. Okay, so I got questions because I'm looking sure. at this cover. Okay, we got Iron Man, Sue Storm. Yep. Captain America. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage. Yep. Jessica Jones. Yep. Uh, there's Daredevil. Yes. Now there's also a lady Daredevil. That's Elektra. Oh. Is going by Daredevil. Oh, Elektra. Ugh. I don't like her, friends. Why? I don't like her. Well, I don't like Elektra in the show, and I know it's fine because everybody likes her, but she just annoys me. And then we have definitely Spider-Man, but is that Peter Parker Spider-Man, and then is that Miles Morales Spider-Man, or is that a different Spider-Man? Um, It's unclear as of this point because as of right now in Spider-Man comics, I only know this briefly because I, I've been trying to catch up with some ideas that's going on. The trademark... The name of Spider-Man has been trademarked by a corporation, and Ben Riley is the current approved Spider-Man. Ben Riley being the clone of Peter Parker. Oh my goodness! From the '90s Clone Saga, but that is yes, Miles Morales. Okay, but we don't know. Neither of these two are Spider-Man, quote unquote. Well, they are, but they potentially can't be. I don't know. I I am not claiming to know what's going on in Spider-Man specifically. That's bonkers. Okay, and then who is this in the background? Is Wilson Fisk. Wilson Fisk. No longer the kingpin. Oh, no longer the kingpin. He is the mayor of New York City. Oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. This is not okay. <laughs> yes. So that's the big development that, that's been building in Daredevil over the last handful of issues, the last run that is actually ending with the start of this, it's the same creative team of Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto. Cool. All right. Well, the cover looks interesting. So shall I give it a page turn noise? You can, but I don't want to necessarily go through this page by page. You no. Can, you can flip through this we and I'll just give you a highlight. page yeah, turn of noise. Of course. Ceremonious. Give me the highlights. So these two people on that first page, they're essentially pulling the strings of Kingpin becoming the mayor. Got it. And... This ties into Daredevil, who has a long rivalry with Kingpin. Of course. His identity is secret, but Kingpin knows that he had a file with that info in it. It's been tampered with, and so is his mind, setting him off, making him super angry. All right, so Kingpin knows that, or Wilson Fisk knows that Wilson Fisk had a file with the information on Daredevil. However... His mind has been tampered with and he no longer has the de- the daredevil information. Yes, the file has Just been making sure I'm following removed. Correctly. The information has been removed from the file. And so what he does because of this is he creates the Powers Act. Any individual who exhibits a use of powers deemed superhuman or commits acts of destructive vigilantism will be charged as a threat. Oh, dear. It's interesting because he compares it to the federal government's Kamala Act. Mm-hmm. So preventing those under 21 from using their powers on a nationwide level. Yikes. And so obviously the rest of the issue is the heroes responding to this. The rest of them just hearing the news, running into confrontation with Fisk's hired team of Thunderbolts, as well as a host of supervillains on his payroll, which immediate red flag. Storm. Storm is in it, yeah, in a panel of Krakoa basically saying, eh, this doesn't affect us. Krakoa has no interest in human laws. Bye. (laughs) That Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Rhino. It's just interesting because <gasps> Iron Patriot. No, that's not Iron Patriot, Alicia. U.S. That's agent. Just U.S. agent. I don't know who those those Venom-looking 
people are. Yeah. So these are the hired villains that are now going to be policing the streets. The last page is a tease of the two people from the beginning of the issue who are pulling the strings, pouring over posters of a presidential election. Oh, no. How do you take this and move it further? How do you take this and make it countrywide? You put that man in more power. Great side story with Dr. Doc Ock. Octopus, Dr. Octopus is here. Yeah, essentially taking all of Mr. Fantastic's work and being able to use and repurpose it for himself, which is a lot of the reason why he's working with Wilson Fisk. Oh, the whole Fantastic Four is up in here. Right, so this is a big Marvel crossover. Wow. So basically, it's like the Mafia. Right. Wilson Fisk is getting all the evil superpowered people to do his bidding and saying, if the good superpowered people come for us, you're done. You're in jail. You're breaking the law. Which is pretty interesting. I really enjoyed the first issue. I'm going to read the main event and the X-Men tie in, which is probably where I'll end. It's basically what I've been doing for the last couple of main events, King and Black and Death of Doctor Strange. So we'll see where it goes. I don't necessarily think I'll give you an update every issue, but maybe if there's something worthwhile. Yee, Fisk for president. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's definitely going to be an interesting story. The art is really cool. Yeah. And I do like being able to see all the characters come together. And I will say, though I did not read this, based on the art, it looks like it was very action-packed and and continuously moving the whole time. It was. It was actually really good. I immediately subscribed to it. I, I told Chris at this comic shop, I was like, oh, maybe I'll try Ooh, issue one. Add that to my box, Chris. Add it to the box. There's a lot else and a lot of stuff that I honestly haven't read going into this. I might check out the Daredevil run before the X-Men issues of Devil's Ring come out just to get more context. I'm just going to let everybody know that if Justin says I might check out a run he's going to read it he's already thought about it it's already saved on his marvel unlimited issue one already is (laughs) told you just in case you know i i did finish the hawkeye series and so i need something passively in the background to gradually catch up the first issue of the x-men one doesn't come out until it's January, fine. Mid-January. You don't have to defend yourself. I'm, I'm not, just letting everybody know that you definitely are going to i've already started so yeah obviously but how this might tie in to the X-Men, they live in New York, right? They operate in New yes, York. Yes, they do. How can they show their their essential presence is the use of superhuman powers. Yeah. The tree that they live in, the jet that they fly away, and the gates that they're using. And I wonder if they could claim, well, we have amnesty, so we don't count. I don't know, because they are operating on U.S. soil, even if it is a Krakoan embassy. I, I don't know how that how that works. Me either. Once you step out of that area, whose laws are you following? I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. I think that'll be part of the conversation is where the laws intersect. For sure. And now on to our main event. Ah, the final fate of the Hellions. I really enjoyed this issue. It was pretty good. I loved this run. I think I've made that very clear over the last couple of months. Yes. As we read each issue. A lot of people... A lot of people are posting on Facebook about like, oh, underrated run. No, it was appropriately rated. Everyone that I talked to loved Hellions. It was a knockout. It, if you didn't know about it, you probably didn't know. I feel like underrated in that like people who got it, who read it, loved it, but it wasn't hyped up by the powers that be as much as some of the other issues. Maybe. I hyped it up. I hyped it up on every episode. Yes, you did, baby. All right. So. 
Oh, the Hellions are in shackles and they got lots of thumbs down. All thumbs down. It's not looking good. It's not unanimous, good. honestly. So, shall we? Yes. Page turn noise. Visual clues of this quiet council meeting being before the start of Inferno. Oh, and what do you mean by that? No Colossus, no Destiny. Ah, yes. The seats are open. Also, a exchange between Magneto and Emma later on in the issue feels as though they're still, still on speaking friends. terms. Yeah. <laughs> they're still friends. And it's a big conversation, a big debate of the nature of Orphan Maker and how he should be tried for his crimes. Okay, so I'm going to say this. As soon as that last issue of Hellions ended, I said, if Orphan Maker doesn't end up in the pit, we got a problem. Right. Reading this issue, I was like, don't do it. Don't put him in the pit. Right, because it's that mix of, yes, he did things and by our laws, he deserves to go into the pit. But he's just a baby boy. I feel like he deserves to be punished what else is there you know, i don't know they can regenerate they can reborn be reborn put him in time out for a couple years not that's in the pit that's no, basically what the pit is the pit. the pit is just too dark and scary well he's got his all right we'll, we'll talk about it as we get there <laughs> i caped up for this i love sinister i love sinister and that i feel like has been a highlight of the run overall is taking what was already there as part of the character and then just going bonkers with it. Zeb has said in interviews that essentially every time Sinister's on the panel, he chews the scenery. He just (laughs) says something ridiculous and sassy and is hilarious throughout. (sighs) That team shot as they're deciding the fate. Well, you know, they they understand that what he did was against Krakoan law, but they also understand that He has the mind of a child and doesn't like has the decision making skills Mm -hmm. of a child and Mm -hmm. doesn't fully understand what he was doing at the time. Like he was in a fit of rage. Yes, I I would agree that he was in a fit of rage and overcome with his emotions. It argued as to where he is on his developmental scale because of his resurrection after death in Otherworld. Yeah, see, when when that was brought up for me, I was thinking like, Actually, not Death in Otherworld. What was it? Amenth. Amenth, yeah. When when that was brought up, my thought was, well, yes, he came back more vicious, but not necessarily more advanced, just with a hunger for a, a larger appetite for destruction. Sure, yeah. I mean, he's definitely been rebelling against the childlike things that were previously known to him, right? Kind of rejecting Nanny. And wanting to be, I'm Pete now. I remember that specifically from an issue, which, you know, you want to talk about, I think I say it almost every issue, Orphan Maker and Nanny were not on the map for me. They, you know, great portion of Inferno that they're relative to, or Mm pre-Inferno, hadn't really seen or heard from them a whole lot. Even Grey Crow, who was one of the original Marauders, that is, uh, that's a character that I didn't expect to see redeemed throughout an arc mm-hmm. yeah that's true a lot of fuss over a couple of humans oh well we got a title page goodbye the losing end written by zeb wells art by zay carlos and steven segovia colors by rain barreto letters and production by ariana maher VCs ariana maher it's funny we didn't talk about it but in devil's reign it's clayton cowles and he's not listed as vcs See? he's clayton cowles he's his own letters clayton cowles what do you mean? See, that's what I've been saying. No, but in that instance, he's free. He's freelance. He's on his own. 
I don't know. Does he do? Can he do that? I the don't know. I have no horrible. idea. I don't even remember what VC stands for. Virtual calligraphy. Yeah. See, I don't. Okay. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> we're getting back to the issue. <laughs> the issue at hand. The X Men. Hellions versus X Men. The showdown. The law coming in. Oof. Is Orphan Maker restrained? Oh man, I love these character moments between Havoc and Polaris. Oh hey. I hi Lorna, hi Alex. What? Yeah, that that moment was just a little like, oh hey, what's hey, up? Hey, we still have. I mean, it's been We're simmering. It's been simmering in the background. In the couple of times that it's been mentioned, there was the issue of X Factor where she drunk dialed Havoc a bunch of times. Yeah, there was the Ten of Swords mission where they went to Otherworld together, and they haven't been interacting a whole lot. And well, they need their space. Yeah, and Havoc's obsessing over someone else. Someone else. Ah, uh, Cyclops. Uh, it just starts in such a charged place, and then Grey Crow takes it up a notch, punches Cyclops in the face. Well, I would say that Cyclops takes it up the notch, because well, this is the second kind of issue. I believe it is also in the very first, because because of Inferno, I have gone back and started rereading House of X, Bars of Ten. In the very first House of X, when they uh, the Fantastic Four catches Sabretooth, and Cyclops wants them to give him back. There's a close-up on his visor with like a little bit of his his beams coming out. Like, do you really want to mess with me? And that's what he's doing right now. You know, that's just so, the residual glare. He's no, not actually going to no, attack. No. Yes, he is. Great Crow is ready for it, though. He's like, he's turned on by the fact that he's flexing. And yeah, he's good. just well, about to go crazy. Great Crow is nuts, but in the best way. So you just... You just put that out there, Scott. You don't don't be like you want to fight if you don't want to fight, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, of the characters, and and this is what I mean by the character moments. You know, Zeb knows who is charged and who would react in certain ways, right? So right. Grey Crow has been very protective, not only of Psylocke but also of Wild Child and their relationship, and mm-hmm. even with Orphan Maker and showing him how to clean guns and and bonding yeah. with them as a family. And so you coming at my family? I'm coming for you. Right. And I love the the interaction between Laura and Kanan and how that sets off Wildchild, who is essentially like that's my pack leader. Right. And he's animalistic. And also the thing too is like Kanan was like, John, hey, cool it. And Laura's like, No, no, no. Okay, well she was maybe she was gonna stop him. And now you now you've angered Wildchild. Now he scratched your face. Good thing you can heal real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's all out. Just letting loose. Plan B, plan B. Which ace in the hole, empath. On the other page. Wait, I got a question. Sure. Do you think it was intentional or do you think someone just f- forgot to draw in Rogue's face? No. Oh, in that I... wide shot. It's like everybody is more minimally drawn, but... Polaris has no face as well. Oh, wait, Kate, you're right. Polaris has no face as well. But Rogue is like full frontal facing yeah. forward and she's no, no, no facial no features. <laughs> I feel like that maybe could have... Been is, a time crunch it, thing. Yeah, time crunch or too small. Hmm. They are much larger when they're actually drawing on them, so I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, empath. Miss me? Right. And so nah, he, he stops it all. It's interesting if you think about the last issue and how they wouldn't let him come. And so then I wonder how the chain of events went. Did the X-Men hear about what happened and then say, listen, like, empath, we need you to be our plan B? Well, I think you Emma, have experience with these. Emma has empath on speed dial in case she needs him to do some stuff. Ugh, and so... Emma. The X-Men are going into this operation. I think he was definitely lined up to be plan B all along. Mm-hmm. 
into the quiet council chamber with our accusations. I also hate this Hellion's attack on the X-Men because of exactly what I said. Like, yes, yes, yes. The Great Hellions, through the first punch. Yes, he did. But mm, did he? Yes, he did. <laughs> he was provoked, sure. But he definitely did throw the first punch. It's just little brother games. Yeah, I guess. I'm going to taunt you until you do it first. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there's definitely a burn over here. Yeah, and it evolves into all the things that Empath has been doing on He's Emma been helping and you payroll. a lot lately, right. hasn't he? Emma? Right, and that's still fresh. That's still yeah. something that is affecting them all. Sinister. I can't. Sinister wants them all in the pit. Point blank. You you presume to condemn all of them on what grounds? But he has no right to want them all in the pit. The right. only reason he wants them in the pit is because they know all his dirty little secrets. Exactly. They know too much about him. He was supposed to be their leader. He was sending them into missions and doing things. And because they got mad at him for what he was doing. And for him to say, and you thought yourself a fit mother, yet here you are in shackles, I literally wanted to jump in the page and punch him in the face. Well, I'm glad that we get on the next page, ooh, that sock into the face. He deserved that. He, hun- he 100% deserved so it. so much deserved Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And just, just his reaction of where are your shackles and then <laughs> storm, give her one more. I love it. I Agreed. love it. Agreed. Yes. Wait, What? Exodus. <laughs> yes. Well, he deserves it. He He's does. A fire starter. Yeah. Oh man. I just like where. Wait, where are your shackles? <laughs> and and Sinister's going off about it, right? To to strike at, send him in the pit. Do Do you all see the barbarism I was expected to work with? An assault on Sinister is an assault on the Council. An assault on the Council is an assault on Krakoa. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet yourself or be muzzled. Fantastic idea. Yes. And then he is muzzled. Which is quite funny. I do. I I like the fact that we have discomfort or anger about this and and what's going Mm -hmm. forward with it for the visibility of laws. Because I think it's only because the humans knew about it. I do want to talk about this. How did the humans know that Orphan Maker had killed these two guys? Right. Because, right, because I thought the idea was sort of, or what we were talking about was like, you it could have just been this fallout between the police officers and all the and people. And the right. You know, you could have blamed that on the right. Who was the news crew that gave the information that it was mutants doing this? I know. Did they call in? And I would argue like you do that for X-Force. 100%. And so that is what I'm questioning is how do they explain that away when an X-Force member has something to do with it versus right now? And well, I guess the conversation is, is an X-Force member doing it for their own reasons or are they doing it for an X-Force Krakowin reason? Exactly. And in, this, this, in, in this situation, he's doing it for his own this reasons. This is personal. This yeah. is him being upset about what's happening to Nanny and him going after the right. Just the, the sadness in Wild Child's eyes as he's looking up at him. Right. So sad. Brothers. I still, I, I just remember the Hellfire Gala issue. Of them all bonding throughout that. And I love it. I just, I love these characters now. And I think there's a lot of potential with each of them. And I'm curious to see, you know, what goes next. Yeah. Nightcrawler quoting himself. Yes. (laughs) Ah, Kurt. I mean, he is trying to, to bargain for a less harsh punishment. Right. You know, he's trying to persuade them because he doesn't think that this is right. 
I don't know. It's it's kind of the question of when we only have this one way of punishing people. Right. When is well, it justified? They need to have another way. Like this is like it's such a harsh punishment. It's not. Oh, and and the way that even the way he's punished, it's not. Oh, you're going to go in the pit for a few years and think about what you did. You are exiled. Yes. You go to the pit. That is it. You are done with Krakoa forever. Well, as we know, Sabretooth is coming out of the pit and potentially has been out of the pit previously. So is the pit just another narrative device to chill with a character for a little bit and have them stew on what they've done? And Maybe. Because there's a lot still left to figure out about Orphan Maker. Oh, just... just- him starting to get pulled into the pit and he's he's saying i'm i'm sorry and psylocke just Shh, it's okay you keep your chin up brother we'll get you out of there yeah great crow's just holding his little face yeah and then the dramatic entrance to end all dramatic entrances <laughs> oh nanny set my boy free now you came don't, don't be, be mad, mad at, at me. me she goes off the threats the promises of murder. If you won't let me in the pit, I will do whatever I need to. To get in there. Yeah. Oh, goodness. She just, she's just going. I mean, honestly, why are they arguing? If someone wants to throw themselves in the pit, just let them. Right. What does it matter? I don't know. I, I feel like it's the rules and it doesn't it's, fit the, the subset of the rules. It's because they know that they're making too harsh of a decision. And if they yep. let Nanny go into the pit too, then they've then there's going to be outrage because how could Nanny be in the pit when Nanny didn't do anything? But well, arguably, she, Nanny did the worst right. thing. She brought that AI onto Krakoa. So like, it seems like they're punishing Orphan Maker for the whole ordeal. Right. And it the whole thing wasn't his fault. Yes, he did kill those people, but because of what Nanny did. Right, right. It's almost argument of like who was justified or right. who, who really did the worst crime. That could have led to more because the AI being there, knowing Krakoan secrets, that could have done a, a lot more damage. Right. That, and to Sinister's point, that was not respecting the sacred land. That Correct. was bringing in a deadly virus. Right. And uh, Nanny, could you just back up off Kate's mom for like a hot second? Right. Oh, <laughs> man. What? Leave my mom out of this. What did no, I do? I, you, you're on the council, though, You're on the council, you and you're, for this. you're letting this happen, and you're not giving me what I want to make it a better situation for myself. So emotional. A lot of that is because it's it's drawn out over a few pages mm. with Nanny singing to him as yeah. they're getting pulled in. They descend. But, oh, man. It's, it's just, time, big guy. What does yeah. that mean, Doug? It's time to open up the pit. But he's been opening it up the whole time. It's time to take him down. Hmm. Okay. What do you think it means then? It means whatever saucy secrets Doug Warlock and Krakoa <laughs> want it to mean. That's that's fine. <laughs> Anything that Doug says to Krakoa now is is open Suspect. for interpretation and just ready to be pulled apart. Thank well, looks you, like, Inferno. Looks like we're going through the whole shebang to find Doug and Krakoa moments. All of them. Let's bring them out. We got our aftermath. They don't feel like Krakoa is home for them or that it belongs to them. It's so sad. Rightfully so. That was always the concept of this team, though, that they were the problem children. oddballs. Right. What do you do with them? Well, you band them together and you give them to Sinister. Worst idea ever. Worst idea ever. Although the 
terrible nature of Sinister did cause them to bond. Right. So it's an interesting idea because you think, oh, they're going to bond. It's terrible because they could bond or become like Sinister, but it, actually the opposite happened where they were like, forget about you, Sinister. We have to make our own bond. Right. They bonded. And that him. that was the data page of, I believe, Beast when he's talking about the difference between Xavier and Scott mm-hmm. and who they followed into battle. Right. And that being the difference between Mr. Sinister and, and Tanan. Psylocke, yeah. Yeah. And I've been calling that since early on that yes, you have. this has been somewhat of a shadow version of the X-Men where you have Mr. Sinister in that Xavier type role and Cyclops and Conan being those field leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, where are they all going to go? Who are these people? Who are they, the rest of these pink suit people? Those are other Hellions. Original Hellions. So Empath was an original Hellion? Yes. Okay. I This scene breaks my heart. With Empath? Yes. Yes. I feel bad for him. Well. Okay, I understand. Maybe he's not the nicest guy. He is definitely a sociopath. But just the way this is framed of him coming back to his old group and then being like, get out of here. We can't stand you. Why are you back? And then he... Has to use his powers. Power, and then they're like, "We miss you. We love you." And just his face of like, "I know none of this is real." Right, and that just hits so hard. And Great Crow's like, "But now I shall take you down." Now I'm gonna murder you, like I promised. I was kind of hoping that we'd see him make good on that promise and take out Empath and do whatever he was saying that he was gonna do, like find all the cradles and erase them from existence. Not that I don't, not that I want Empath to be removed from the story, but that was interesting as a threat. But instead, if he doesn't do that, he can have his love. Right. Krakoa isn't asking. I am. As Kanan is talking him down. Ooh. Oh. This page. Yeah. Wild Child. Essentially in a mirror from issue one where he was supposed to be taking these medications that would be tempering his wild animal nature. Just the fact that he decides to do it and then the sadness in him. Yeah. After I mean, he does it. That's like I can't be accepted for who I am. He's been so. broken. He doesn't have the fire with him. He doesn't have a place here. This issue is just a really sad ending. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate that because not all endings can be happy. Right? You yeah. can always wrap it up with a little bow at the there's end. There's some characters that get a happier ending than others, but yes. for the most part, everyone is even more damaged, even more traumatized than they were previously. A lot of these characters are left charged and ready for whatever's potentially next. This Now, let's talk about this brother scene. This brother scene is shot for shot mirror of what happened when the Hellions returned from Sinister's lab in the first arc. Oh, really? With Scott talking to Havoc. I'll pull it up real quick. He's going to pull it up, folks. From issue four. Oh, wow. It really is. So if you have issue four but handy. Scott's just wearing glasses, not right. visor. Well, yeah. He's caped up. He's ready for war now. Wow. But then, follow me. And there she is. So here's a so, so. The long teased reveal. Basically, Emma feels bad about what she did. So she's the reason that Madeline is back. Yeah, I don't understand it. It's It's a couple of things. And even Madeline calls that out. About the only reason why I was saved is because of a Summers brother arguing for me to be here. And yeah, I mean, 
That's interesting for her. She's already percolating with rage. Yeah. The moment she gets back. And also, I'm like, just based on reading this, I'm like, does she actually like Alex or is she just using him? She likes Alex because he does what she wants. Yeah. But this has been this has been teased for a while and and sets up what could be her arc going forward. And nobody else knows that she's got. I don't know how you don't know that she's still the Goblin Queen and still has the madness within her about how she's been treated which somewhat rightfully so. Yes. I haven't heard all the story, but I'm still on Helen's side. Sure, yeah. This has the potential to get messy. Yes, it does. And it has some interesting narrative potential, as we'll see in New Mutants going forward. Yes. And then we have this little tete-a-tete. The White Palace meeting to discuss the checks and balances of Sinister. Nathaniel Essex is a cancer. Yeah. Yes, he is. Ooh, what does it mean? Right. And cancers grow. It's almost as though, all right, so as we see on the next page, he has the DNA of Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Storm, Nightcrawler, and Wolverine in front of him. Yes. As though he is orchestrating some grand chimera experiment. His first chimera. Well, he technically is well, his first chimera. Right, right. And then the him and the DNA of Thunderbird long before even the start of it like that Mm -hmm. was already kind of mixing in different dna but then himself with zorn no tarn yes tarn praise tarn praise tarn (laughs) and then now it's almost as though they want him to do what he's about to do like they're trying to fuel him to reach the things that they need him to reach so that they can get two chimeras so that they can make more mutants yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about chimeras in our conversation about identity between the cuckoos, identity between Krakoa and Arako, and how does an identity form or change if it's got different pieces of different characters mixed together? Mm. And then what does that become? What What are the memories that get loaded into that character? Well, I guess that's a question of like, what does DNA, like how much memory or personality does DNA hold? Well, the memories themselves are loaded from Cerebro. Right, but if you're talking about chimeras and you're talking about someone being created from multiple DNAs. So do they have anything loaded in from Cerebro or are they just... I think they're just a fresh make. So so are they made as children? Are they made as, you know... Is Captain Krakoa all five of these people together? Ooh, I don't know. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) Yes, it would. We will find out soon. Soon enough. But let's go to the beach real quick. This got an awe from me. This romantic little, I let love, me scooch closer to you on the beach. But I love the idea that Great Crow is going to open up a little food spot on Krakoa. Mm-hmm. Give us somewhere else to hang out other than the Green Lagoon. But Justin won't go there because he still loves I'm the still Green at the Green Lagoon. Lagoon. I mean, I might. Do they deliver to the Green Lagoon? Can I get food? Because it doesn't look like there is food at the Green Lagoon. They got it. There's got to be some. Like bar snacks? Yeah. I want, I want whatever. I want whatever Great Crow is making. Just that final silhouetted image of them sitting on the beach, holding hands. I, well, I do like the emotional weight of there's a way you look at me like there might be something good in me. Having noticed it, I don't think I'll ever be the same. It's so, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And an end quote from Nightcrawler, who has been constantly quoted throughout this series. Trauma comes painfully, quick and loud. Healing is quiet and slow, but it does come. It does. Nightcrawler. 
I think that's a nice way to wrap up saying the Hellions have been through a lot of traumatic experiences over this run, but they will get through it. Even though they might not all get resolutions right here, right now, they will get through it. No Krakoan to end with because this is the final issue. There's nothing to tease. There is the cover to the Marauder's Annual on Mm -hmm. that last page, which follows Conan. Mm -hmm. There we go. Thoughts on this issue? Thoughts on this run? Thoughts on Hellions as a whole? Oh, that's a big question. Thoughts on this issue? I thought it was a nice way to both come in hot right where we left off, but then also give us a little look into what happens with everybody going forward. Um, It definitely felt like an ending, but left some good potential for new story threads to take off from here. So definitely made me feel as though these characters are ending their stories as a unit, but not ending their stories altogether, which was really nice. Right, because I feel like every one of them had new things layered into their character narrative Mm -hmm. that could be picked up by someone else. You could pick up literally any of these characters and and follow up on what was going on. see where they're at. Which is essentially what Zeb did with Kanan at the start of this, picking up with what had been layered in through Fallen Angels Mm -hmm. and developing her further. Yeah. I think as a whole, Hellions was a really great story arc. Um, Made me interested and excited about characters that I personally didn't know very well. And... I do like an underdog team, so there was that, plus the humor and the personalities of the characters really well tied into the action and the storyline that's going on, so it didn't really feel as though there were storyline points and then separate scenes with personality. You know, they were very nicely interwoven. interwoven. Yeah. Yeah. So It was just in the DNA of the story. Ha, DNA. Yeah. Um, sinister. I mean, I did like that. Sinister was heavily involved in the book, but also wasn't the main wasn't focus. The main focus. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of his actions were continually connected to the through line of the story, but the team was able to react to those things as a team. And I did feel like this book was very much a team book, like a lot of bouncing yeah. around between who we're highlighting, what's happening to them, what their experiences are. And I really enjoyed the run overall. And it was a team book that balanced the characters within it, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't, we're only going to focus on these two or three characters or this one character. Everyone seemed to move forward or have some development, some interaction, some change issue to issue. Right. Yeah. It it wasn't like, like, oh, this is a Psylocke issue. Oh, this is an empath issue. Right. Which I feel like I, I... get that feeling from Excalibur Mm -hmm. and sometimes Marauders and sometimes X-Men where it it feels a lot more focused on one character's arc. But even, you know, to compare this to New Mutants where it's a lot of different arcs juggling, changing, moving forward. Yeah. And I feel like I prefer that. I do too. Because I do like to get to know individual characters, but I feel like a really great way to understand someone's personality or their perspective is to do that through their interactions with other characters. And so the way that this story was really built up as a family and the way that they interacted with and played off of each other really helped me to understand and care about each of the characters. 100%. 100%. I'm going to miss them. Yeah, I'm definitely going to miss Hellions. I'm going to reread it right now. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. um, Well, I do have... A question. Okay. Who would you like to see followed up with first of these characters? 
So we have Psylocke who has something going on mm-hmm. for her next. Grey Crow, who's kind of left with the not really a lot going forward for him, seemingly on a redemption arc. You have Empath, who feels like he's acknowledging how terrible of a person he is. Wildchild in his sadness, he, he feels a little bit more subdued. There are characters that I feel like are subdued and could rest for a little while, and there are characters that feel really charged. Oh, it's interesting that you say that after you said Wildchild because he's my first choice. Really? Because I feel like what they've done to him is going to cause him... Yeah, like, to lash that's out. That's a big... No, not even to lash out. Just like could be a big perspective change for him. Could be a, a huge character-defining change. And with the idea that Wildchild and Sabretooth are so closely connected sure. all, in all of these other iterations of them that maybe with Sabretooth coming, there could be some sort of play what if wild child is is somehow connected to the idea that Sabretooth becomes a little bit more tame or a little bit more hmm. willing to work with other people or what if there's the complete opposite and he starts to form this life for himself and then Sabretooth shows up and then he throws it all away to go back to being with Sabretooth and like the turmoil that that is I think the fact that he has decided to subdue himself is really interesting to me and I'd really like to see where that goes well especially coming off of his rebirth from amanth right you know he's gone the full gamut of being uncontrollable at the beginning of this seemingly finding a connection and group and then getting supercharged into this murder machine and then kicked back down again from tarn yeah removed of that i mean i feel like at some point we're gonna find out what's going on with everybody that's in the pit then so that's you know orphan maker and nanny Empath, I feel, definitely agree with, is one of those characters who could just kind of like sit and rest for a little while. He's just like, this is who I am. This is my life. I mean, it would be cool if we don't necessarily, like even if we don't necessarily get a great Crow story right away, if he's just in the background with his little He's got a food truck. You know, know? like whatever that is, just kind of pops up as a nice Easter egg in the background. And I feel like- That's a Marvel Unlimited story right there. Right. Like, I feel like Kanan is going to the Marauders, so we're going to get something from her. 100%. So I'm not, I don't really consider her a part of this question. So I think Wildchild is where I want to see. Other three characters that we haven't mentioned that I have on my list, Havoc, Madeline, and Sinister. All of, well, Havoc is the one with the biggest question mark of those three, because I feel like Madeline is immediately going to go over to New Mutants to see what happens with that and her confrontation with Ilyana potentially for control over limbo Mm, or whatever happens i mean i definitely want to see what that preview image with the dna of those five yes mutants is going on with sinister i'm definitely interested in that and i hope that that gets furthered in immortal x-men yeah i think that that will be a big plot point i feel like chimeras will be a big plot point in immortal x-men yeah there's a lot of plot points going into immortal x-men which i think is (laughs) great yes that's a great thing especially to be able to introduce a new title that has a lot of momentum going forward with it at the same time. Yeah. There's any, so many eggs in a basket there. Any questions for me? Any questions overall? Um, well, I know that you always talk about Hellions being one of your most favorite titles. So two twofold. One, what is the thing that you will miss the most about Hellions? And two, what do you think will take take Hellions' spot in your heart as one of your most favorite titles? Well... I'll have to grieve for a little while first. <laughs> you can't just instantly replace. No, I'm not just going on. You know, we, we were together for a good long run, mm-hmm. 18 months, plus yeah. plus some, because 
they started right before the pandemic, the this shutdown. Is, this is true. So we've been we've been going strong for a while, Hellions and I. Uh huh. What are you gonna miss most? I'm gonna miss the character moments, the the humor and the character heart, and especially from this ragtag bunch of murderers. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I connected with these characters in a way that I was not expecting. I connected with this run in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I would love to be surprised by that again in another title. I don't have a clear next step of what that, what title, that title would is. be just because we are kind of at an interim of what's next. Mm-hmm. I am really excited and have been really looking for a Quiet Council book. So I feel like that might have claim as that top spot but i have hopes for x-men red and what that could potentially be because i feel like that is also something that i've been really wanting i think that in terms of humor and personal character development stories that immortal x-men could continue to do that but also new mutants which has been coming up and has quickly come into my top titles is likely going to fill that role in the interim. Yeah, I think that New Mutants is more the direction that will give you that versus Immortal X-Men. Right, yeah. Immortal X-Men is going to be like the big personalities and ruling opportunities. And, mm-hmm. But also, I'm really interested in that. Yeah, so, for sure. I, mean, I feel like Immortal X-Men is going to give me the sword feeling. Yes, it's, we know you love it. I love sword. Here for it. Here for it. Is that... Well, yeah, that answers my question. Thanks to uh, everyone who took part in Hellions over the last 18 issues for giving us some great stories, some beautiful artwork, some really interesting points to talk about. And we're excited for whatever it is you do next. Yeah. Well, Zeb is actually moving over to Spider-Man. Yes. And is involved in the madness that is Spider-Man releasing on a fever pitch of a schedule. Oh, man. Are you ready for what's coming next week? What do we got? What's coming next week? Excalibur number 26. Okay. Now understood to be the final issue of Excalibur. Yee. X-Force number 26. Mm-hmm. The deadliest mission ever. No, please don't bring that back up. <laughs> uh, also, Wastelanders Wolverine number one, which you had expressed some interest in. Oh, when interesting. Was, I don't know if, how you're feeling on it. Yeah, but. I'm interested. And then Demon Days Rising Storm, which I've been following the Demon Days issues. That's Peach Momoko telling more traditional Japanese-inspired story arcs in an alternate world of sorts. Oh, cool. And they do the art and the story, which they've actually been pretty good. They're all one-shots. That That's cool. seem to tell a larger story together. One-shots I can handle because they don't require any additional stress post-reading that one <laughs> issue. <laughs> And I mean, I read Strange Academy and Strange Academy 14 is coming out next week. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch for me. Also, the X-Men Hellfire Gala red carpet collection comes out. Oh, okay. I'm into that. That's that's just a trade paperback of the Hellfire Gala. Still cool. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, old friend. Charles. Thanks so much for joining us today on the X-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The X-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 